Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Sveck. This podcast is about helping you uh, learn and understand the different trials and tribulations of converting a 50-acre farm back to nature and a honeybee sanctuary, and how we struggle to continue to be servant beekeepers. Here's this week's episode. This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. As many of you know, some 30 years I worked as a mental health psychologist and um, trained at Michigan State in that field. And when I retired, Mary and I started converting our 50 acres back to nature. And I wanted to talk to you today about something that's just happened on the farm. I'm pretty excited about it, which is a mental health model that seems to explain, at least on our farm, honeybee hive loss. And I'm, I, I just finished a paper that we have, what's called um, in press or in print, which means uh, preprint, sorry, which means it hasn't been printed yet. I've submitted it, but it's going to be a challenge because it's a mental health model applied to honeybees and, and there's no such journal or place that would take that kind of things. But I put it up on ResearchGate, which means it's it's now stamped there and you can read it and cite it. And if you're doing work, maybe use some of the ideas to create your next piece of research. Or in our case, if you're working with bees, help you with your beekeeping. Now, let me explain the diathesis stress model when it comes to mental health. So, the two terms refer to the two things. The first is diathesis, or what is the premorbid vulnerability through genetics of someone developing a certain disease? It could be. And the initial work in mental health was in schizophrenia or depression. And it was the idea being that there are certain genetic predispositions some people have where they're more likely to develop a disease than others. The stress model part of the model has to do with things in the environment, things the person interacts with, everything from the time they're born till the time they develop the disease that may increase stress and cause the diathesis to trigger the disease. Now, this was initially designed, uh, was developed for mental health. It was thought that the uh, person could also develop skills to prevent a triggering of the premorbid condition or diathesis. And this was um, well-researched and all kinds of statistical analysis. They proved it for schizophrenia, depression, and so on, basically saying there's an environmental genetic connection and there's a threshold, meaning it has to achieve a certain level. No one really knows what that is, but it would be interactive and based on the predisposition vulnerability, I would think. They then went on, researchers in, in medicine, to use this to explain a number of autoimmune disorders and a number of other physical conditions, saying, yes, there may be a pregenetic or, sorry, a genetic predisposition, but the triggering of that depends on what's happening in the environment, what foods, what exercise, levels of stress, and so on. The danger we have in studying mental health or studying medical conditions in humans, and, and, and also now with honeybees, we take the last occurring thing or the biggest thing and say, okay, that's causing the problem. So with honeybees right now, it's varroa mites, obviously. People are saying, well, you know, mites are, mites are killing our bees because they help the transmission of different diseases that, in fact, are killing them. So this year when I looked at, and this was the first year we had significant loss in three years where we could look at it and say, okay, who survived and who didn't, and what, what do the bees that didn't survive tell us what might be going on? 
And I've talked in previous podcasts about the uh, hive uh, distance or hive factors where RBs that were close to intensively agriculture uh, or farms that used Roundup and other uh, pesticides did not make it, anything within about 100 feet of our fence line. Also found that hives that were close together, so on, on occasion, because I was lazy, I put a couple hives fairly close together, and the majority of those, if one didn't make it, the other didn't as well. Um, and so then I started thinking about the interactive effects. What are the interactive effects of what we see in the environment and what the research and the science says? So the paper just came out, and I put it up on ResearchGate. It's called Preprint. Uh, it's there because it's actually it can be used as a reference or if you're doing research or if you want to um, you know, comment. Really appreciate comments because you know, comments against the idea are, are really, really cherished. I, I challenge these ideas all the time whether or not it's a good idea and why and, and, and it's helpful or not and problems with it. And so let me go through it briefly and tell you how I'm going to use it here on the farm and maybe that will help you as well. If not, that's okay. But I think it does give us an idea of the fact that there are many other factors linked to honeybee hive loss that aren't just a single binary reason. So not all bees with mites don't make it, for example. Some do and some don't. Let's go through the list. The first has to do with the high factors that I just discussed. I won't review them, but, but that you, you kind of understand. And that includes the structure of the hive, primarily in the case of moisture blankets or winter blankets that allow the bees to not have water drip on them during winter months. Next is pesticides. Now, that's internal and external to the hive. I've discussed in previous, podca previous podcasts what happens when honeybees, drones, are exposed to different types of pesticides that in the hive, and that could be in the wax or that can be in actual um, administration by the beekeeper, that drones who are in the larvae state, when they uh, develop as adults, have inferior uh, sperm counts, in some case failed sperm, and should they interact with a queen, uh, that queen will then have difficulty laying fertilized eggs, which can then lead to hive demise. You can see we're always, I'm already talking about linked if then, if then, if then. So we come along and we see a queen that hasn't made it, and we go, ah, queen failure, bad genetics. No, it may have to do with what I just described or some of the other variables I'm going to discuss. So we really don't know, but at least this model helps us look at things a little bit differently. We know that external pesticides, exposure, and I just talked about our experience on the farm with our hives that are close to the fence line, but external pesticides also have been known and through the science, and I, I do some references in the article where if you want you can go back and look up, but this is based on science. So the pesticides exposure to honeybees, neonicotinoids, and even uh, the old famous Roundup causes difficulty in honeybees. And, and that's well documented. Uh, habitat, uh, the, the study out of Michigan, uh, really is strong that talks about different diverse foods for bees helps them prevent disease. So providing, you know, not just adequate uh, nectar and pollen throughout the year, but also diversity of nectar and pollen. 
and that leads to food diversity. Remember, habitat includes safety and access to fresh water and fungus and trees and mushrooms and all the things they need to develop immunity when it comes to different diseases is located in their food. So we have habitat and food diversity. Now, we didn't spend a lot of time on climate change because really there's not a lot I can do with it, but just to say that when temperatures fluctuate as they have been, things change in the ecosystem with food diversity and habitat. So, for example, this year, very late into November, some of our bees were going out and grabbing pollen from some aster and also from some goldenrod. Because it was a longer season warm-wise, there was, there was less food, so they went out and there was a lot more robbing in November, late November. So the climate change has an impact, climate fluctuations. I've talked about drone sperm viability, which again is linked to pesticides and can also be linked to hive temperature, which is linked to climate change. You see where we're going? All this stuff kind of all blends. Uh, next one's pests. We've talked enough about varroa mites, but there's also other pests such as wasps and ants that have been known to really put hives under stress. Disease outside of those diseases that are propagated by the varroa mite are also prominent and also linked to other variables I've discussed. So bees who have a better diet are more likely to survive disease and fight it off. In the center of my model, you'll see I have genetics because remember, it's interactive. So genetics really are the diathesis. The vulnerability to being harmed by any of these environmental factors and stressed by these environmental factors are based on a number of things, including the pre-morbid or the the vulnerability of the bees based on genetics. So bees who have been raised in a uh, livestock situation have very poor genetics to handle any of this stuff because generally they, they're being fed antibiotics, pesticides, now they're talking about a vaccine and so on. True feral bees or bees raised in a more um, natural environment develop skills and behaviors that are generations through a number of methods we call neuroplasticity or also the ability to take those experiences which impacts their genetics and then causes change to make them less vulnerable. So that's the diathesis stress model. Honeybees, any hive you have in your organization, in your apiary, has a vulnerability to disease. Whether or not the disease or the pests or the queen failures will happen has to do with the interaction of the variables with the genetic predisposition or diathesis to fail, die, or suffer from that disease. And I think this is something, if we can just start thinking in a way of there are multiple variables, genetics are in the middle, okay, which is true, we know that, we can then start working through each one of these variables. And when we lose a hive, you know, maybe in the back of our minds, we start checking off some of the boxes. And that's what I'm starting to do. So we're not going to have any bees, obviously, living within 100 feet of any farmed land around here. None of our bees will be, will be within 100 feet of each other. So we're going to spread our hives all over the place. and take a lot of work, a lot of trudging through some weird land, but we'll get there and so on. And when we see pesticide, uh, pesticides happening and some of our hives like last year look like they've been damaged, we'll take samples, we'll send them off for analysis.
Now, along with that, we're looking at a couple of things which are kind of exciting. We're, I'm trying to understand how we can get experts to analyze our videos with artificial intelligence to give us a sign that, and this would be my dream, that you as a beekeeper or you as an interested um, servant beekeeper who loves bees, you may not have them, but you're really interested in helping them. You could take a video clip of the front entrance of a hive with your phone, download it onto a platform, and through artificial intelligence, it can explain what's happening at the front of that hive. Wouldn't that be exciting? In other words, what kind of pollen they're bringing in, if it's in the spring or summer, uh, the drone activity, depending on the time of day, any concern for disease or pesticide exposure and so on, all from just the activity of the bees. Now, this is happening already. There's a group in Germany that I contacted and a group in Australia. The group in Germany has their own hardware, meaning you have to buy their cameras and all their setup, about $15,000 per hive, which isn't very reasonable for us here, nor for anyone who's keeping bees, because they're primarily research and universities are involved. And then I'm currently speaking with a, a group out of Australia, and we haven't gotten beyond the email stage, so I have no idea if this is even possible. Um, but we are looking at you know, taking some of the existing work that's been done, and there have been articles published on artificial intelligence to analyze videos at hive entrances and see if we can get that accomplished. And you all know that we are using drone footage to try to analyze our habitat here, which will help. So those those two will be will be checked off. So we're doing more and more work in this area to identify each of the variables, and I'll be putting the articles up probably one a year, perhaps, or depending on how it goes, uh, up on ResearchGate, because that's a quick way to put it out there and then later submit it for publication somewhere, which can take years, but at least it'll be up there um, so that people can comment on it, criticize it, and hopefully we can push um, what we believe is necessary, which is an understanding of honeybee hive loss and success based on a diathesis stress model of honeybee hive failure or survival. So we'll be putting up a link at wildflowerbeefarm.com where you can uh, read the short four-page article we just put out with the model. You can also go to ResearchGate and just, um, I guess, search. Uh, my last name's S-V-E-C. And you'll, a number of articles will come up, but the, the, the one is Diathesis Stress, a model to help explain honeybee hive loss. You'll see it there. Have a look. And it also lets you comment, which I love, um, the research gate uh, system for. So I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. It's exciting times. Things are getting clear. I'm not fully clear yet, but I'm getting there. And I want to thank you, and I want to thank our bees, even those that didn't make it, for giving us some clues as to what might be happening. And hopefully we can all look at it um, in, in a different way. Have an amazing day, and we'll talk soon. At BeeMoneySimple.org, you can pick up some merchandise to help us in our cause to convert 50-acre farm back to nature and support what we do. Go to BeeMoneySimple.org and just click on our online store, get some t-shirts or some hats, send them to someone you love. Let's work together to make the world a better place.